Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. All right, everyone. Welcome into the program. Of course, this is Red Sox Beat here on CONS Radio. My name is Jared Scali. I am joined by my guest co-host today, Chris Hogan. Um, he is the minor league editor at Baseball Central, formerly Red Sox reporter here for our very own CLNS Radio. He'll be joining us as along with Nick Hamlin, our guest today. He is as well from Baseball Central. Um, before we do, I just want to remind you guys that you can now get our free app on iOS and Android. Just go to the Google Play Store or the Apple Store and search CLNS Radio. It'll pop up, and you can listen to all of our podcasts and post-game shows directly there on the app itself. It's a great product, so go on there and give us all of our rates, reviews, and subscriptions, and get us on iTunes and Stitcher as well. Just search CLNS, and all of our work will pop up. That being said, Chris, uh, how are you doing? I haven't talked to you in a little while. Um, how's life down there in the warm states? Jared, it's good to be back with you. Like I said, yeah, it's, it's been good to be back on the air for the first time since the uh, late summer. Um, doing well here in Georgia. Uh, not not too well with the Braves fans down here with the Jason Hayward trade and you know John Hart, who I think is a great fit for that job, but uh, he's he's made some bold moves and it's not paying off too well in my opinion so far. But lots to discuss for sure today. Yeah, definitely going to be a good show, jam-packed, a bunch of info. We've got a mega deal to get to. Pandas in Boston as of 15 minutes ago to talk that. And, of course, more uh, Nick Hamlin, Baseball Ascension. You can find him on Twitter at Nick Hamlin MLB. Nick, my friend, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, it's been a pretty uh, eventful day so far in baseball, and I uh, can't wait to talk about it. Definitely has. Um, trying to get Nick on here for the last couple weeks. He had the sniffles last week. We'll Glad to give him his spot and give him his due this week. Glad he's recovering and he's okay. No, uh, no. hospital visit needed, I'm sure. No so Ebola. Cold. Nope. No, no Ebola here on CLNS Radio. Mm-hmm. Just a quick little cold back to work for him at Baseball Central. Um, first, Nick, before we get into the mega deal, before we get into Panda, I just want to get your general thoughts on what you think the Red Sox need to do primarily this offseason season. If you were Ben Sherrington, what would you be? What would be your first priority with this team? See, I don't, I don't see a you know a big big need to sign a, a huge free agent. I think outside of John Lester, I think that's their that should be their main concern. I don't see the need to bring in Pablo Sandoval when you have you know Garen Ciccini, like in the minor league system. You have a solid minor league system. Um, you bring back Lester, you give him the money he deserves, he wants, and then basically you just get the guys that you kind of take a few chance on chances on guys, maybe a, a Brett Anderson type, a Brandon Morrow type. 
Um, a guy that can, you know, fill in as a, a fourth or fifth starter in the rotation, maybe come out of the bullpen. Just those minor moves that would pay off come, you know, late in the season when guys are tired, they need a, you know, need a rest. Um, I, I don't see the need for a big bat like Sandoval or, or Hanley Ramirez. Uh, maybe, you know, taking a chance on Alex Rios wouldn't be a, a bad idea, even though, you know, the Red Sox are loaded in the outfield. Um, you know, you can always fit in a guy like that if they're cheap, they're low risk, they've proven themselves before in the major leagues, maybe coming off a down year. I think those that's the best time for the Red Sox. Well, this is the best time for the Red Sox to grab players like that instead of, you know, tying their hands with Sandoval or Hanley Ramirez. Yeah, I think pitching, for me anyway, pitching is definitely the priority. Lester is reportedly in Boston today because there was the reports are out that he was going to meet with the Red Sox officials before the, his meeting with the Cubs, which is scheduled for Tuesday. So there is a good chance that he will be in Boston on Monday, and he would have maybe chatted him up. Maybe he's meeting Pablo Sandoval here as well. Who knows, because Pablo's in Boston. But do you think the Red Sox are the lead uh, lead getter or lead attempt person team ahead of everybody else to get, however you want to word it, um, the front runner person to front runner. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, to get the the lefty back here into Boston. What do you think Theo's Epstein chances are to land yeah. in Chicago? Just what do you think about John Lester? Yeah, I mean, I, going into today, maybe you know, if you asked me this question last night, I'd say they were the front runner. But you know, now reports are surfacing that Toronto is showing interest. Um, I I still think it's mainly between Chicago and Boston. Whether it's going to come down to you know him reuniting with Theo or coming back to Boston. Um, I'd still say that the Red Sox are the front runner. I just I've always believed that ever since they traded him to Oakland, I I believe that he's coming back. Um, you know, David Ortiz said he he thinks he's coming back, um, and that's probably one of the most credible sources you can go from uh, David Ortiz. But yeah, I, I still see Lester returning to Boston, getting the money that he deserves, and uh, you know I think they're going to kind of build the young guys around him, have him be that veteran, that leader, and it just makes the most sense to me. But you can't rule out Chicago. I mean, Joe Madden, everything they've done so far, it's it's going to be interesting. And then Toronto kind of presenting themselves as, as a dark horse here. That's kind of, you know, it's going to be a little scary for Boston. But I, I don't see Lester wanting to go to Toronto. I just don't I just don't see Toronto being the, the right spot for him. So I still got to stick with Boston being the front runner. Boston would be nice. I think all of us Red Sox fans here, in the area would love to see him come back. I think he's definitely what they need, and I think he wants to come back as long as the Red Sox don't come at him with another cheapo deal like $70 million, which I don't believe they will. I believe the deal will be up there, 130s, 140s, and I think that they'll make the offer and it's going to be up to Lester. I think anything close, he comes to Boston, depending on what the deal is from Chicago. But we also had Theo Epstein going after Russell Martin, and they lost out to him to the Jays last minute. He's from Toronto. It makes sense to why he would go there. Do you think not getting them gives Theo more incentive to push for Lester using that extra money to really wow Lester to get him to come to Chicago? Uh, I mean, yeah, it could, yeah. but you know, if, if they have the extra money, I think it's, you know, they might go after Max Scherzer instead or someone, maybe a James Shields type. Um, but yeah, I, I thought they were going to be the, you know, the front runner for Martin as well. And then Toronto came in and uh, swooped him out of there. So yeah, really it's, it's a lot of stuff's up in the air and uh, I'm sure a lot of big news will be surfacing within uh, a week or two or a few days even. Yeah, so the Red Sox have plenty of things to worry about. Pitching is the big one. They, they're looking for their left-handed bat. They're trying to kill two birds at one stone here in Pablo Sandoval. There's been a flurry of rumors here in Boston as of late. There are now pictures of, of Pablo Sandoval in Boston um, at Logan Airport Landing. 
Joey Marcino of Seven Sports here in Boston had the story first, I believe, on my, at least on my Twitter feed, so I'm giving him the credit. Um, he has pictures of Pablo. He's here. He's meeting with him and his brother with the Red Sox and his agent. Do you think, I know you said you weren't really sure of they should sign him or not, but don't you really, I really see like he should be a good fit because from one side, and now this is the motive that I don't like giving the Red Sox credit for, from their business side, he's a great asset. He can sell the little baby pandas around Fenway and all that <laughs> crap that we don't really care about, except unless you're the owners make, trying to make money. But he really, for, for what the Red Sox need, whoever pays him is going to overpay him. That's what I feel anyway. And I think that if you're going to have him out there, you might as well really just go for it because he's a left-handed hitter. His, his numbers with runners in scoring position in the last two years are on average, between two years, over 300, he hit like 350-something with runners in scoring position in 2013. Uh, 2014, it was like 291 or something like that. So it's on average, he's hitting over 300 runners in scoring position. And in a few years when, D- when Ortiz retires, he can become the DH. And that's and he, he's also that lovable guy that Ortiz is. And now you're going to put both of them on a team for a couple years. And eventually, Panda could be here for a while. I think it's a good fit. I really want them to do this. Nick, you said no. What... Can you just go a little further on why? No? I just don't. I just don't see the need right now. I mean, I feel like other guys will present themselves like when Ortiz gets a little older in the upcoming free agent, you know, seasons. But I mean, it, it's not a bad fit by any means. It just it's the amount of money that he may get. That's the part you just don't want to handcuff yourself with. Um, I mean, it makes sense. He's a career two ninety four hitter. He's a three time World Series champion. He's a lovable guy, like you mentioned. I mean, come postseason, he's a he's a he's a beast, really. Um. You know, for marketing-wise, yeah, you could have the, the little pandas running around. That would be uh, pretty obnoxious. And, um, <laughs> but it, it, wouldn't, <laughs> I agree. it wouldn't be a mad, bad move by the uh, Red Sox. Um, like, you, like you said, switch hitter. There's a lot, of, a lot of pros, and the pros outweigh the cons. It's just the amount of money and how, are, how much are they going to overpay. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, a player is only worth so much money. And it's, it's going to be interesting. I like the idea of him potentially moving to, you know, a designated hitter role, maybe even first base if, you know, Napoli were to leave um, following this season or get traded. Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of options, and it's just it's just all going to be about, you know, the how much money he's really going to, you know, pres- get. And uh, I, I, just, I just don't think they should overpay for him, but if the right deal presents itself, they should definitely uh, hop on and take it. Yeah, I, it seems like all the reports that are out there that it seems to me that the Pablo's looking for six years, right around $100 million. By the time this bidding war is over, I'm sure it might be a little north of $100 million, which it seems like the Red Sox might be willing to pay now at the way, the way they're pursuing him. Um, only thing that I have an issue with is that him, if you get him and Lester with obscene amounts of money, it might lock you up to add more depth to your bullpen starting rotation after those two players come in. So... It might be tough there, but I think it. I think you really need to do it. I think it's a big, good fit there. Um, another mega deal in the in the Major League Baseball today. Giancarlo Stanton, as the rumors have been the last couple of days, but it basically has been finalized. It hasn't been official by the team uh, where it is. Press conference will be Wednesday to really finalize it, but it is going to be a 13-year deal, right around 325 million dollars. Um, someone on my Twitter handle did the math and. $68,449 is the number that um, Giancarlo Stanton will be paid every day for the next 13 years. Um, that's more than I'll make every year for the rest of my life. So that's a lot of money, and I think he's worth it. Nick, do you think he's worth it? Do you think this deal is 
even close to worth what his value. Do you think he could have been paid more? He this this contract is the biggest contract in American sports, and he's he's now surpassed the A Rod record there with that number. Right. Is the three twenty five million too much? Could he have gotten more? It's not the three twenty five million that uh, you know is really the mind boggling you know number or part of the signing. I think it's the thirteen years. I mean. 13 years is a long time, a long, long time. Obviously, he's still very young. He's 24 years old. He's one of the best, if not the best, hitter in baseball. I mean, he's faced some injuries already in his career, obviously, outside of the hit-by-pitch in the face, but um, some, you know, leg injuries and all that. It's it's just 13 years is just mind-boggling to me, but I understand it from Miami's point of view. He's their superstar. He's their homegrown superstar that they need to keep, and they pretty much did that at all costs. Um, you know, it's about an average salary of, I think, $25 million. That's pretty reasonable considering how good this guy is. This guy, I mean, Marlins Park is a, by any means, is not a hitter's park. And he just hits absolute bombs. And he puts people in the seats. And I think that's what it comes down to. He brings the fans to the ballpark. Picture the Marlins last year without Giancarlo Sten and Jose Fernandez. Would have been a joke. It would have been close to a joke. And, you know, they were they were competitive last year. Um, Redmond mm-hmm. did a great job with the team, and the team looks like they're going in the right direction. They want to, you know, extend uh, Danny Hatcheveria. They want to, you know, hopefully extend Jose Fernandez, but that's going to demand a lot of money. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good deal. I think it's a good deal for Miami. It's just the the length of the deal. You just never know what's going to happen within 13 years. Um, you just can't predict that. You got to take chances. And uh, baseball is a business, and they really, you know, flex the uh, checkbook. It's a pretty uh, huge deal. Yeah, Miami de- definitely coming into this said they weren't right away interested in getting rid of him. They wanted to convince him to stay. We all know that Stan was not happy when they traded away their entire roster um, a couple summers ago, and he just wasn't happy. Uh, 13 years, like you said, Nick, is a huge number. It's 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 atrocious to me to think that he'll be 37 when his contract's up. Um, but the big question to me is a lot of Red Sox fans, and I'm going to try, try to tie this to the Red Sox as best I can, really wanted Stan. And we thought a lot of people believe that they could make a deal and try to swing Cespedes down there and get Miami to ship him up here. Do you think that he plays that whole 13 years because he wasn't happy with that franchise and there's a good chance that he might not be moving forward depending on what they do after paying him? And if they can afford to pay him, never mind, pay somebody else to make that team even better. They had 77 wins last year. Can the Red Sox potentially work that deal later on, a couple years down the road, maybe five years into that contract where they might build a little more, have a little more team depth to put into a Stanton trade, potentially still swing him to Boston? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think any team could. Uh, it's kind of, you know, maybe in five years it would be kind of similar to, you know, Matt Kemp, where Matt Kemp's at now. Um, still, you know, has that large contract left and still has some talent left and still could be traded. Um, Stan's a special special player, and but he wants to win. I mean, he wants to win at all costs, and I feel like if Miami – Within a certain amount of time, that doesn't put you know a winning cast around him that he might want you know out of town. Um, so we, we shall see. Obviously, can't predict five years, ten years into the future. Um, it's there's a lot of time left. I mean, thirteen years. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Three hundred twenty-five million dollars for a baseball player. Kids, if you're out there, you know, play baseball. It's, you're going to make a lot of money if you ever become really good at this game. That's just, it's just unreal. Um, yeah, I think Miami did did the right move and they got their guy back at at all costs. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm with you on that one, Nick. And a lot of people might shake their heads if they don't really know who um, Stanton are Stanton is. Basically, if you're a, if you're, I'll call you a Pink Cat fan if you are one. If you're a Pink Cat fan, 
you don't know you might not know who Stanton is and you might not understand why this deal was made, but he is worth every penny of this deal. Thirteen years might have been a little too much, but they really wanted to make sure he was locked up so that if he did decide to go somewhere else, um then then they'd, they'd at least get something for him. There's obviously gonna be clauses in this deal. Once it's finalized we'll get more details out, but Got to accept there'll be a no-trade clause, uh, opt-out clause at some point, throughout, maybe halfway through this contract. There's going to be something in there to make him happy, That to think that he doesn't have to be forced into 13 years in Miami no matter what. Um, now, Red Sox obviously losing out in Stanton today. Another big trade, uh, Jason Hayward was traded away from the Braves to the Cardinals. That good deal for the Cardinals. Hayward was a left-handed outfielder, not too expensive. Red Sox were... Rumored to be in on him potentially because they need a left-handed bat and potentially another outfielder regarding if they want to let Cespedes go or not. Do you, Nick, what do you think Sherrington was thinking potentially when not pulling the trigger on um, Hayward? Because he was kind of sitting there and the Cardinals just kind of swooped in there and took him from the league without anyone realizing what was going on. Uh, right. I think the Braves wanted more of a you know a major league ready pitcher that already kind of have proved himself, and that's Shelby Miller. I mean, uh, the Red Sox don't really necessarily have that. I mean, they have the great prospects, but no one that's really proved themselves. And, you know, Atlanta's kind of going back to the, the scheme where they just want to, you know, pitch, pitch, pitch. And John Hart, I mean, he, it's a questionable move. I like it for Atlanta, looking at the fact that, you know, Hayward's, Hayward probably wasn't going to re-sign after this year. Shelby Miller's a really good player. Um, you know, he's proved himself in the, in the playoffs, uh, in, you know, high-pressure situations. But as far as the Red Sox, I just – didn't think there was a need for Jason Hayward. You have Cespedes. I'd take Cespedes at Fenway Park over Jason Hayward just because, you know, the monster. Cespedes' power kind of fits better in between that, you know, lineup as protection for Ortiz. Um, Hayward, it just it just didn't seem like the right fit, and I just don't think, uh, you know, Charrington wanted to pull the trigger on any deal that he may regret considering Hayward would only most likely be here for a year unless he resigned. So uh, he didn't want to take too big of a chance on a guy that can maybe only play 162 games in your uniform. Yeah, um, big thing is Cespedes obviously might not be here past next year, but that also regards what the Red Sox want to do. If they're really going to make a push to come back next year, um, they should just keep Cespedes and let him play out the contract and see what happens from there. But you never know what they're going to do with Cespedes. they got plenty of time to worry about that. I think now they're just trying to deal with Sandoval, Sandoval and Lester and kind of go from there. But regards to the Red Sox pitching, obviously the Reds are a big discussion there because Cueto is potentially available, but according to MLB trade rumors, uh, the organization has said that necessarily they're not going to trade him and they, and they think they can win next year. Um, what are the likely, even if it's not to the Red Sox, what do you think the likelihood is that Cueto is dealt from the Reds? Um, I, I don't think he'll be le- <coughs> me, leaving Cincinnati. Uh, I think they're going to stick to their gun and keep him. I mean, Cincinnati, I don't think they're going to compete next year, but they always have the mindset that they're going to compete. And you have to respect that. Um, even if Cueto were to be moved out of Cincinnati, I don't see him going to Boston. Um, <clears throat> I think there's, you know, more reasonable options. I don't see the Red Sox, you know, dealing the farm for just Johnny Cueto. Um, obviously, I think he's a top three, four, five pitcher in the NL. Um, and I think he's just going to stay put in Cincinnati. So I don't think we should really uh, go too far into detail with that and uh, get some people's hopes up. I think he uh, stays put with the Reds. Yeah, you kind of have to think so at this point. I'm intrigued to see what the Red Sox do pitching-wise. Uh, one more thing I want to get to you, Nick, before we uh, let you go here and continue on our ways. Some awards were hung, hung out to, uh, and presented to players 
in the past week. Uh, the big ones, obviously, being MVP and Cy Young. Cy Young was American League Corey Klubler in National League, of course, Kershaw. And American League MVP went to Mike Trout. National League MVP went to Kershaw. Now, we all knew the Cy Young was coming to Kershaw, but American League, uh, National League MVP Clayton Kershaw, it's a big deal, hasn't been a National League MVP in a while now in terms of pitcher. Did Was that the right decision? Does Kershaw deserve to be the National League MVP regardless of the position he plays? Um, yeah, I think it was the first uh, National League uh, Young to win the MVP since, I want to say, 1967-68. Um, I, I I'm not big into you know the pitcher winning the MVP award, and I, I've stressed that, but it was it was just you know a kind of a, a unique season and it almost had to be done. Um, he threw just a shy under a, a tad under uh, 200 innings in the season, but he was unreal. He put up historic numbers and he seriously was the most valuable player. Um, whether he you know he only pitched, I mean, this guy was that good. And he, for me, for a pitcher to win MVP, they have to have a season like Clayton Kershaw did. And it just made complete sense, and I, I, I was for that. I really was. Maybe if John Carl Stanton or Andrew McCutcheon play a full season, we see it might be a little different. Um, but, yeah, Clayton Kershaw, I agreed with that. And then in the American League, you had Kluber. A lot of people were, you know, pushing for Felix Hernandez, but I thought I thought they got it right with Kluber. Um, I totally agree with that. Uh, he had a great season, especially down the stretch in the later months, where Cleveland, you know, were kind of, was kind of uh, pushing for a playoff spot. So I think uh, as far as all the awards go, I, I agree with actually all of them, which is kind of a surprise. Uh, the one award that I, I want to just – one last one, because um, you said you agree with all of the Manners of the Year awards. American League goes to Buck Showalter. Do you agree with that? Do you not? Do you believe that he outdid Yost this year of the Royals? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think uh, the Orioles – of course, you, gotta, you guys got to remember, it's just, you know, um, the regular season. You know, you can't look at the playoffs um, – so, if you look at just the regular season, the Orioles, I think they, I want to say they had the best record in the American League. It's either them or the Angels, I can't remember right now. Um, yeah, they had a fantastic season. You know, they took chances on Nelson Cruz. Uh, you know, Showalter had him at DH one night, had him in, you know, the outfield the other night. Um, Buck Showalter is one of the greatest managers in the game right now. I think he, he won it, the manager of the year in 94, then 2004, now 2014. So that's pretty impressive. Um, you have to think. I, I remember. Uh, I think it was a playoff game. I, I don't. I can't. I can't remember which series series it was, but uh, there was a runner on second, and Showalter put on the the guy. The I want to say it was the the uh, go ahead run on first to induce a double play for Zach Britton. I mean, it's it's things like that. He takes chances, but he does it at the right time. He knows how to win the ball game, and he knows how to manage to win. And uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. No, uh, Yost. I feel like he. He really, you know, proved himself during the playoffs, of course, you know, making it to the World Series, the bunts, all that good stuff. But uh, as far as, you know, just looking into the regular season, I totally agree with Buck Showalter. Uh, yeah, Baltimore, I have in front of me, had 96 wins. They finished behind, two games behind the Angels for the best record in AL. Either way, they won the division, of course, and stormed ahead to the ALCS, losing to the America Sweethearts of the Kansas City Royals. And there has history will be made forever. Uh, Nick Hamlin, MLB. Uh, baseball essential, excuse me, at Nick Hamlin MLB. Uh, Nick, I'm going to give you a little shameless plug here. You can kind of tell us about your work, what you do at Baseball Essential, and go for it. All right, uh, the old shameless plug. Um, yeah, you can check us out at uh, BaseballEssential.com. Chris writes for us. Chris is a great guy. Uh, basically, we just started, you know, a lot of young adults about a year ago, and uh, we just, you know, striving to, you know, making the best possible 
baseball content and putting it out there and just really kind of growing as individuals as we go. I mean, uh, we have a lot of young, a lot of young writers just trying to, you know, kind of branch themselves out there and uh, the network as a whole. Uh, we broke a signing um, on Friday of Jay Chapman signing to a, uh, a deal with a unknown minor league team, which we know today was the Brewers. So that was a pretty cool moment. Um, we broke that news and uh, we're really just, yeah, just trying to improve one day at a time and post the best content we can going out to minor league parks. Uh, we, we should have major league access by this season, and uh, it's just it's just a real honor and privilege for me to be a part of something so special. So you can check us out at bb underscore essential on Twitter and baseballessential.com. So I appreciate the uh, shameless plug. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no problem, Nick. We appreciate you coming on. I'm glad we could finally get this going after your sniffles went away. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Baseball Central, check it out. These guys are good. Uh, Nick, thanks for coming on. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, Nick. Nick. Again, that was Nick Hamlin. Uh, Baseball Central, good website. Young guys coming up, checking it out. Check them out. Good stuff there, good access. Now, Hogan reports. Chris Hogan, of course, is with that, works with them as well. Uh, Chris, a lot of stuff we can get to now, a lot of stuff we just got through with Nick. Um, I want, I first, we, we, know, we, we know the Panda's in the city. We know the Panda is working around Boston now. Uh, reports are he's going to be here, meet with them tomorrow, the team, and he's going to be here for one or two nights. Potentially going out in the city, walking around, checking it out tonight, maybe tomorrow as well before he goes to Fenway Park and all that good stuff. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Panda? Well, I, I actually think it would be a good move. I think the Red Sox need the kind of bad. The third base position has been lacking, as you could say, the last couple of years. Will Middlebrooks is nowhere near ready uh, for that third base job. We have seen it the last two and a half seasons when he's healthy, and that's a big if. Uh, I really think Middlebrook should be traded, even if it's just for some low value. I really don't think he has a future here. I know Nick did mention Garen Ciccini, but I'm just not sure he's made to be an everyday third baseman yet. He's played some outfield with Pawtucket last year, the Red Sox AAA team. He played some, you know, he he did he was a utility guy, but he did come on strong, like I said, at times with the Red Sox and in AAA towards the end of the summer. Um, I really think Pablo is the best fit for them. Yes, they may give him $100 million. Maybe he's going to be in that 15 to $19 million per year. Uh, he's only 28. So, like I said, if they keep it to five, six years at 90 to $100 million, I think that's fine. Uh, like you said, I agree 100% with you. The DH will be his position eventually. But he actually did play his, some of his best third base defensively when, once he shed that weight uh, last spring. So I really think this could be uh, a good signing. But the problem is where are you going to put him in the lineup? I think, you know, are you going to have Pedroia second in the lineup? Who are you going to have leading off? Sandball can't hit third. But I ideally think he's probably good at maybe hitting fifth. After Ortiz third, uh, Cespedes fourth, and Sandball fifth. I think that could be a good combination. And then, uh, you know, whoever whoever they else want to add to add some power as well. But I think it, he, they are the front runners, and that's not unbiased perspective. Yeah, I think they are too. There's a lot of reports saying they're all in. Um, your your has your uh, prediction on the lineup there would be great if that was the case. Because if you have Sandoval hitting fifth, it means you have Napoli hitting sixth. And if you have Mike Napoli hitting sixth in your lineup, you got to agree that you're pretty deep there and have a good chance to have a successful year offensively. Um, I like Panda, like I was saying with Nick on the show. His postseason numbers and his run, mainly for me, his his batting average with runners in scoring position is just fantastic. He's had three, I think it was like three forty something or three fifty something in two thousand thirteen. Uh, it was two ninety one with runners in scoring position this past year when they won the World Series. So, and his World Series numbers were out of this world this year. Every year he hits in the World Series, he just knows how to hit in the World Series. So, definitely a big player for me, and I think it's definitely worth it because other than that. 
I don't want to sign Chase Headley. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with Middlebrooks playing third base. I don't think Jacini's ready. I think with the Red Sox, the money that they have, and what you're trying to do with this team, you're not trying to be a rebuilding team for the next five years. I don't want to watch the Houston Astros in a Red Sox uniform. I want to watch a team that's going to win, and we all do. I think we'd get very frustrated if we watched a team that was not successful because that's what we're used to here in Boston. So I think signing Pan is a big deal. I think we are the front runners. I think he, he he's going to get what he wants here or San Francisco, but I think he might get a little more money out of the Red Sox, and I think he would love a change of scenery. I think he's going to come here and see the culture and meet with the Red Sox. I think he's going he's gonna to see what it's all about here. I think he's heard stories. I think he's talked with Ortiz, but I think he really is going to come here and find out what Boston all is all about. He's going to walk around Boston. I think people, right, baseball fans all around the city are going to recognize him and really talk to him and embrace him and bring him into the city. And Look, I don't want to get everyone's hopes up because Kevin Love did the same thing, and he was just here on uh, a little family vacation to see a Red Sox game with his brother so and his agent. So I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, but he is in the city. He's here to talk, but he's actually here for a Red Sox meeting to talk with Ben Sherrington and Red Sox officials, so it's kind of a big deal. And look, no one wants to sit here and give Red Sox credit for being a business side as well, but Hogan, you got to give him credit too because if they do do it, they're going to make a lot of money off this guy Yeah, marketing-wise as well. Correct, and I think, like I said, him, you know, he said he was excited. I know it was the Fox 7 reporter a few minutes ago. But I think the fact that he, he's targeting the Red Sox first, yes, I know the, the San Francisco fan base loves him. They adore him with the, you know, all the merchandise, like you mentioned. But I think, like I said, the third base has been lacking, really, for probably the past two to four years, I'd say, really, since Adrian Beltre really left. And I think the Red Sox know that, you know, yes, they don't, yes, Garantini could be an everyday third baseman. Jansen Witte was a nice surprise. It was Ty Salem yesterday, but he's on the older side of a third base prospect at uh, 25. So I really think they need this uh, Panda Express, as I like to say, the Panda bandwagon. And uh, I really think they need other moves as well. And uh, I know uh, some other reporters said, why not trade Mike Napoli and try to pursue Adam LaRoche? Adam LaRoche has a good swing. And he's, you know, he gets on base a little bit more than Napoli. So I think there could be additional changes to this lineup. But I don't think, you know, you need to figure out what you're going to do with center field as well. Is Castillo going to be that guy? Uh, are you going to play Victorino every day? Um, what's going to go on with Daniel Nava? And I also think they need to get get pursue that catcher position a little bit. I know Vasquez is a nice addition. Just don't see him as a starter right now. That's where I think a Miguel Montero might be a good play if, if the Dimebacks are willing to eat some of that $40 million salary. So I think they need to add some veterans, but I also think they're not done adding to the lineup besides Sandoval. I think that way you kind of notice the Red Sox do have a decent amount of holes if you really want to maximize this lineup. I really do believe that you're going to see Vasquez as the everyday catcher this year with David Ross behind them. David Ross is a free agent, but I potentially think that'll be a, a smaller deal. They'll resign him later on. I think their guy might still be Swihart, but I think their emergence, the emergence of Vasquez end of last year, showing potential with the bat and showing yeah. how good he really is behind the plate. I think they might consider Vasquez their guy if they can get a right deal for maybe potentially throwing Swihart in for maybe a Cole Hamels, which they're still particularly potentially in as well. Um, I wouldn't be. I'd be. Would not be opposed to Adam LaRoche if you could get something. Maybe swing Napoli their way because, like Napoli's getting getting older. He's not completely healthy. He was hurt this year as well. So he definitely has his health issues. And Adam LaRoche is a good piece. Uh, maybe a little better defensively as well. Um, but I do like Napoli at first only because he has that little. He has former catcher in him, and he does play. I always like catchers playing first base because they know how to block balls regardless of where they are. That's a big thing for me, and I think Napoli does that well. So. I wouldn't be surprised if Napoli stays, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they go, but I don't think that's the priority. I think 
They have to worry about potentially getting Lester an offer today or tomorrow when he's here in Boston again before he goes to Chicago. I think they're going to throw an offer at him. Big money. I think he's going to bring that to Theo. I think that's the plan. I think they're going to give an offer to Panda when they meet with him tomorrow on Tuesday. They're going to send Lester his way with a number, and he's going to bring it to the Cubs and say, here, this is what the Red Sox are offering me. What do you have? What, do you, you're going to, what are you going to get me to basically leave home and not go back to Boston? I don't think Theo's going to overwhelm him enough for him to leave Boston. Now that we know Lester's really serious about coming back and the Red Sox are actually a serious player in that, I, I don't think the Blue Jays have a chance with Lester. Um, but Panda coming here is definitely a realistic thing. I think it really is between them and the Giants. I saw a report that the Padres potentially might be interested in Sandoval, but I highly doubt that would happen. Um, I really think that he's coming to Boston. I think you're going to see Lester and Sandoval in Red Sox uniforms within the next couple weeks. I think Sandoval will decide by the, by next week, if not right after Thanksgiving. I think Lester's decision will be made after this week. He might not announce it after this week, but I think in Lester's head, he's coming to Boston unless Theo Epstein can really, really put him over the top. Hoax, I don't know what you think, but I think Lester and Panda are both coming here next year. Yeah, I think so, and I think $20 million is a reasonable per year uh, salary for Lester. I don't think he's going to get that clean Kershaw, you know, almost $30 million per year. I think he's about 20, 18 to $20 million. I think some people may say he's a little bit more, but I think, you know, right around $20 million over, I'd, I'd say about four to five years. I, I don't think any, he may get a sixth year possibly. May, I'm not, I don't think seven like a Sabathia did with the Yankees after the 2008 season. Um, I, I also, yeah, I, I do see him coming back. Like I said, I think the Cubs are, are desperate to win. I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in, in about five or six years, and they haven't won a play, and they haven't won a World Series in almost a hundred. So, I think they need to get their fan base back. So, like I said, they have had some good, that young talent with Chris Bryant and uh, uh, Baez and Soler and Castro. So, they, and Rizzo obviously. They, so they have some good talent there, but they need that veteran presence. And and Joe Madden's obviously a good fit for that uh, team with like he how he transferred the Rays in 2008. Um, but yeah, I think so. And I also think they need another starter as well. The young starters obviously would. Kelly Kelly was good at times, but like I said, he was kind of shaky. De La Rosa, Renato, and all those guys, Workman. But I also think a guy like Irvin Santana would be a perfect fit. He's been a very, very durable guy over the last four or five years, even more. And I, I think he can get him probably for about 12 to $18 million on a one-year deal with an option. I think that he'd be a perfect. And a couple other bullpen pieces, I think, as well. This team needs more holes, has more holes than fans realize. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't really realize what they have to fill within the year to really be competitive. I think pitching is the big one. Um, you dealt a lot of pitching at the deadline. You're into almost your entire rotation except for the glass, the guy made out of glass in buckles, and you dealt one of your best relievers in Andrew Miller to the Orioles. There's talks of Andrew Miller potentially coming back. There's a lot of teams interested in Andrew Miller, and I don't see why not. Tall left, you really can sling the ball off the mound, a really tall presence and a really good in clutch situations. Really was great for the Red Sox in 2013 when that when they made the push to win the World Series. What do, do you think that there's any chance of Lester and Andrew Miller both coming back? Because I like I think Lester's coming back, but I don't know if Andrew Miller might not come back. I know the teams have expressed interest in him, but for me, I think Andrew Miller should come back. I think if they're really cons- really really in on buying and fixing fixing this bullpen, you need to go get him back. I know it talks were happening towards the deadline that Andrew Miller said he would definitely want to come back and the Red Sox didn't shut that down obviously because they want to keep talks open and they don't really want to talk about that kind of stuff halfway through the season when they just dealt the guy but I I think he's definitely a target I think he's a very viable option he's not going to come too expensive I don't think unless some team really does go and overpay for him but you never know nowadays when people really want what they want 
Hoggs. I really like Andrew Miller, and I think he definitely should be pursued because you have some young guys who can, if they don't crack the rotation, could potentially be decent long relievers and deep middle relievers for this team. But you really need that guy who's a veteran presence who can shut guys down and cause matchup issues. And Andrew Miller can pitch to lefties and righties. I think he's the number one target to go get for bullpen help. I agree. I agree. I just don't know. Like I said, I've seen some predictions for year thirty-two million. I'm not sure if he's worth about that eight to nine million a year. I'd say maybe five to seven. But like I said, with incentives, they say he could be a closer, but I'm not buying that. I really think he's a, a, a very effective eighth inning guy. Maybe, you know, that can stretch to two innings when needed. Um, I think he would be a good fit here. I just think the Blue Jays, you know, they say they, if they're interested, there could be some other teams. I think the Cubs would be a good fit for him uh, with, you know, obviously Theo with his Red Sox background. But um, I think at the end of the day, you have to say that they are favorite, but I'm, I'm just not sure if they're willing to pay uh, eight to nine million. I know I know, like they paid with Uehara, so but I really think they need a lefty. Breslow's not going to be back. Um, you know, Eduard, Edwin Escobar I think is more of a starter long term. They used him towards the end of the year in the bullpen. Tommy Lane was a very good fit, who I really think you know has should be brought back as uh, as a second lefty. But I think Miller would be that uh, perfect guy, maybe on a three year deal. I wouldn't say anything more. He is still pretty young in his late twenties. I'd maybe go three years with a couple of player options or team options if needed. But I think he'd be great fit for sure. Yeah, I think Miller definitely should attempt to at least, uh, the Red Sox should at least attempt to be in um, the talks, if not more, get really serious with him. Because if you can get him back into the seventh inning role behind um, behind Koji, and uh, you, re- you really do have a chance to really rehab your bullpen and patch it back together. Um, I do like, I do potentially like the young guys kind of pitching in there. I don't mind De La Rosa being a setup guy later in the bullpen as well, but I obviously you have guys, you also have the knuckleballer, Stephen Wright, who potentially come out of the bullpen or even get that fifth star, depending if they really believe in him or not. I do not. I would like to see it happen because I like having a knuckleballer to change things up, especially at Fenway Park. It's an outdoor ballpark. Wayfield had success here. I think Steam might not might not be as talented, and he's a little older, but I think you might want to give him at least a crack at spring training, which I believe they are going to. Um, but yeah, Andrew Miller is definitely a good fit here. I think he, ooh, excuse me, he should definitely be considered, and definitely should get thrown out there. I don't know, like I, like I said, like you said, Hogan, I don't think they should go over three years. I think three years might be the max years I'd give him just to see him play it out, and then maybe later on, if you really want to keep him, kind of push that contract even further. But this bullpen needs to get patched up. The, Scotty rotation definitely needs to get patched up, and a lot of teams are in on this guy I'm going to bring up next, and I want to get your take on him because I've talked about him the last couple episodes as well, last couple shows. Justin Madison can come cheap because he's had a rough year. He, he didn't really pitch well in St. Louis when he got traded there from Cleveland, and he didn't, really, he didn't pitch in the postseason because he was hurt, and then he wasn't pitching well. Whoever gets Justin Masterson is going to get him pretty dirt cheap, I think. There are a lot of teams in the Red Sox being included who have made calls to the Cardinals about Justin Masterson. I'm sure they, I'm sure he's available. I'm sure they don't need him, and they, they're going to listen to what they can get. I would like Justin Masterson to come back on this team and rekindle and work with John Farrell and I think potentially be a third or fourth person pitcher in this rotation because then if you can get Lester and maybe a second-tier starter and then have Buckles and Joe Kelly go there as well. You potentially could even fill him as the fifth starter if you don't want to trust a young guy. I would like to bring Justin Masterson as a low-risk, high-reward kind of guy with a low contract. Masterson would definitely fit here. I think they should pursue him. I think there's a good chance they could get him because I think he liked his time in Boston. He just got shipped when he wasn't pitching well, and he got they got a good return for him. 
I think Masterson should come back. I think he's a good fit for what the Red Sox are looking for. Typical, typical Red Sox contract there, Hogan. Definitely cheap and not too bad on years. It'd probably be a one or probably one year deal just to see if he can still have it or not. Yeah, one year where I'd say about four, four and a half to five million with maybe some incentives like what they do with Mike Napoli a couple of years ago. Um, I think Hunter Golden from uh, the former Firebrand AL uh, editor made a good point on Twitter the other day. He mentioned he's not a starter anymore. I agree. I mean, he was atrocious. When, he was even worse when he went to St. Louis. And a lot of people thought he would do maybe rebound with the Cardinals, you know, at the start of maybe the NL, uh, lighter hitting offenses, all that kind of stuff. But obviously it didn't work for him. And he was even bad when he went to the bullpen. I, I, I don't even remember if he was on their postseason roster or not. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was not. Yeah. He was not. So that's an indicator right there that I think sign up for that long-term deal for one year. Like I said, maybe do a one-year deal with an option or maybe extend him in the middle of the season if you feel like he's rebounding. But start him in spring training as a long-release pitcher. Maybe a guy, how they had with Burke Badenhoff this year or Sevis a couple of years ago, that kind of role. And, you know, if the Red Sox have some injuries in June or July and, and you know, need that help, Masterson, if he's pitching well, has that veteran experience to step in. Like I said, he did that in 2008 with the Red Sox and a little bit in 2009 before they traded him for Victor Martinez, obviously. So I think he would be a good fit, but I also think the Red Sox, like you said, you need that Brett Anderson, that um, Aaron Harang, those veteran guys that can, you can throw in like you did a few years ago with uh, Aaron Cook and uh, Russ Ollendorf. I believe before the start of the 2012 season, so they need to do that again uh, because obviously the depth was hurting uh, towards the end of the second half last year when they really faded. Yeah, I, I think that he's a good fit. I think, like I said, he's that typical, typical Red Sox contract that everyone that they like to have. They don't like to go long-term contracts. Now they might obviously go away from that philosophy, signing Lester or signing the Panda. But I think it's the typical Red Sox cheap. Cheap, uh, cheap pitcher, kind of see what they can get out of them. They know them, that they're familiar with them. It won't break their bank, and they can focus, obviously, some more of that money on Pablo Sandoval, John Lester, and the bigger name free agents. Um, but, yeah, I think the Red Sox, like we're talking about, Hogan, have a lot of work to do. They, we, we've, I've talked about this enough stress over this since the Red Sox season was over. It's you got to go pitching first. You've got to get that dealt with. You've got to get a left-handed bat in this lineup, and I think they're doing those first two things first. They're going to get Lester. They're attempting to get Lester back now. They're going to give him an offer before he goes to Chicago. Pablo Sandoval is that left-handed bat who can also fill another hole in third base because Wilmer Brooks sucks, and he's done here, and I don't like him, and he shouldn't be playing. So between those two things, you're going to kill some. You're going to kill two birds. Actually, three birds with one stone. You're going to get your left-handed ace back. You're going to get a left-handed bat, and you're going to fill third base. Now they have to focus on the bullpen in the outfield, if all things go to plan. Now, it might be throwing a wrench in there, but I don't see the, this, this, these two players in Pablo Sandoval and John Lester kind of seem fortified for me unless something really goes away and Chicago kind of woes them, but I don't think Theo will be able to do that as much as, as, much as it could happen. I think John Lester is going to be swayed by the city of Boston itself and the fans here. Um, so if those two things work out, they're going to move forward. They're going to go potentially figure out what they have in Ruznak Castillo. I think they believe in Ruznak Castillo. I think they're going to bank on him being the center fielder. That being said, they've got to find another outfielder um, to really fortify that outfield because right now you would have potential. If you don't trade Cespedes, you're going to have Cespedes, Castillo, and then potentially Nava or Victorino in right field. Now, Victorino came out and said that the job's his. He doesn't expect to be competing. He's healthy. He wants to play, and he expects himself to be the right, right, uh, Red Sox right fielder. That's big butts, bold words coming from a guy who's been injury-prone the last couple of years and really hasn't been on the field. So we'll definitely have to see how that plays out, Hogan. But I definitely don't really want Shane Victorino as your everyday right fielder. Now, you might see a platoon in right field if they don't make a move out there, if they think that they'll be okay between Nava and Victorino. 
Uh, but you also have Mookie Betts as well to play, so who knows what they'll do there, because I know there's talks about Cespedes playing right field, but I would just let Mookie Betts play right field because he's phenomenal. I would see what you can get from potentially Victorino and try to keep Nav as a bench guy. I don't think Nav is an everyday starter as much as I love the guy. He's not consistent enough. I would like to see Mookie Betts get a chance, Hoax, to play right field, but um, what do you think really is the key to filling that outfield hole? What do you think they're going to do for the outfield? If everything goes to plan and they get Lester and they get Panda and they start to have to fill, to fill that bullpen a little bit, who do you think is realistic? I know you said Adam LaRoche to come in and play first base and help him get some outfield depth as well, but who do you think potentially could be a fill-in if they don't trust Shane Victorino and they don't want to have Mookie Betts. Basically, who, who do you think they'd come bring in for insurance for Mookie Betts or someone to start to not make Mookie Betts play every day? I really think a trade is probably more likely first. I don't, I've, you've heard uh, rumblings, you know, the Red Sox overcrowded. It could be a good thing. Um, I think Craig could be a trade candidate. I, I also think Victorino can. I think the Red Sox would have to eat some of this uh, $13.5 million that he's owed for the final year of his contract. My ideal situation would be Castillo and, and probably left in center. Cespedes in left. Keep him in left where he's been comfortable. You don't want to experiment with something that he's never done before. And I would put Betts in right. I just think the kid, he's not really a short. I mean, he's come, he came up as a shortstop in high school, obviously mostly throughout the Red Sox system. He played a little bit of third base, a little bit of second. So he's got that versatility. But I think he could be a good outfielder. I really think so. He's got the good instincts. He's still raw out there. There, but I think the uh, in spring training they'll probably uh, play him a lot in the outfield to start. But I really think come opening day, I would like to see Castillo, Betts, and Cespedes with, with possibly Nava or Victorino on the bench. But I also think you know why not go out and get a guy like Kristen Norfia or uh, you know someone that has some veteran experience, just to you know as that even if it's a non-roster invitee or just a guy that has a little experience, just in case if they have a better camp and one of these guys ends up getting traded. So it's, it's always good to bring in competition. But like I said, they, they, they haven't had this log jam in the outfield in, in quite some time. So it's a good problem to have right now. But obviously, like I said, there needs to be a clear cut by us from training what, they, what direction they're going to be headed in. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to show to us um, what, the, what their plan is. I don't think they, re, they really want to be questioned. And I don't think they really want to be hesitant in what their plan is. I think they're going to know what the deal is before spring training. Um, I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I don't really want to move Cespedes to right because if you do force him to play right field as well and you want to keep him next year, that also really lowers the chance of him signing back here long term because he wants to play left field. He is, is a left fielder and moving him to right field only hurts you even more in the long term to keep him. Um, he clearly was okay in left field last year. Look, he, we dealt with Manny Ramirez in left field for all those years, and he played like crap out there. So I think you can deal with Cespedes because Cespedes has a gun of an arm, and it's not as much ground to work with. You give him a year, another another beginning of the season, and a year to work with the wall, and I think he even looks pretty comfortable with the monster for the second half of the season here as well. So you give him more training there. You get him some training in spring training down at JetBlue Park as well with the uh, remade monster down there. I think he needs to be in left field. I think that's the plan. I think... I hope that's what they're planning on doing because that'll help him keep him long term as well because he's obviously expressed interest to go elsewhere. Unfortunately, I hope that doesn't happen. But Mookie Betts, I think uh, Chris definitely can be an outfielder. He came up as a second baseman, but obviously you have Pedroia, and you don't want to trade Mookie Betts because you saw his potential last year in the outfield. He was diving, he was getting everything, he's got the speed, and I think he's got the smarts enough to be able to play that right field wall, okay, and really know Fenway well. I think he's going to get more practice with it next year. I think you're going to go into the year with Mookie Betts as your right fielder, and then unless you potentially can get someone on a good value. Um, I don't think they're going to try to break the, break the bank on a right fielder when they have so much depth and they have Mookie Betts as a young guy, especially where they love their young guys and building through prospects. I know John Farrell made a comment um, 
as I believe it was on EEI up here in Boston, but I don't. I think he said somewhere that they they have the young guys to build around. They just got to get some veteran presence around them, and so it sounds like they're going to rely on young guys again. Not as much as obviously last year, but it sounds like they're going to fill the holes, some of the holes with the young guys. And Mookie Betts kind of fits that. I don't see why not. He obviously showed that he can play in the big leagues. It was a pretty decent sample size last season, despite the, all the losing that he can play up here. He can hit against most guys. He has some pop as well, and he, his his swings definitely fits well uh, here in Fenway Park. He hits it high, and he can put it over the monster with ease. He can play wall ball. Great player, great speed and defense, definitely fits well. And him and Ruznay Castillo can definitely cover some ground between right field and center field out there at Fenway Park. Um, I'm pretty, that, that outfield is going to be pretty well covered, and Castillo can handle left field. So I think you might, they might, you might see them handle the outfield internally, uh, especially now that uh, Giancarlo Stanton is off the books, at least for next year. Um, so you're gonna, I don't think they're going to try to break the bank. They would have broke the bank for Giancarlo Stanton, and it would have been a hefty break considering his $325 million contract he signed. He's going to sign, which will be official this week. Uh, so I think they're going to try to play it safe on that one and just kind of see what they have going for them. But the Red Sox definitely have a lot of work to take work ahead of them. And I think overall it's definitely going to be an issue. And it might they might do better next year, but I don't, I'm not predicting anything crazy. Obviously 2013 was a fluke, in my opinion. They, they won one, but they definitely got lucky to win it. So Red Sox fans, I'm sorry, but don't expect too much next year despite their offseason spending. Uh, it's going to take a couple years probably to realistically have a – title team and supposed to be contending they might get lucky again but i don't think it's going to be that easy this time um now we talked i i just brought up stanton so we might as well go to it here because we haven't really talked about it hogan giancarlo stanton's going to get paid he's getting paid big time 325 million dollars 13 years red Sox aren't necessarily out of the picture i'll get to that in a second but i think it's worth it i think the money's worth it it's getting paid like 68,000 something i said early in the show per day for the next 13 years it's a lot of money he definitely deserves it. he's a young gun he's gonna he's under contract now so 37 whether or not he finishes that contract with miami is another story but um he's a big guy he knows how to hit he had if it's right in front of me 105 rbis last year and 37 home runs and remember he didn't play towards the end of the year because he got t- took that ball and shattered his face so that those numbers probably would have been higher if he didn't get hit in the face as well uh drew 94 walks he has 154 career home runs and that is no, that is just going to soar throughout his career he's still he's incredibly young he knows how to play this game and um i, I really think that this is the right number hoax and i think that the marlins did the right thing because they won 77 games last year and i think they can be competitive and i think they said something to him that probably struck him to willing to stick around and really believe in them. They're competitive, and with him around them, I think a lot of people might be enticed to go down to South Beach and play with him. And I think they might be able, they might be even more competitive the next couple of years with him there long term. Yeah, it is a it is a risky move. Like I said, what uh, Nick Hamill said is he just turned 25 last week, and you know it's going to run him out to about 38 years old. And you know it it, could, it does give the Red Sox some leverage to possibly acquire him. Like I said, around like that age 31 or so in 2020 or whatever it is, but they do have some good young talent. Marcelo Zuna, their center fielder, had a good season. I mean, Casey McGee, obviously, we know what he did. And obviously, their pitching's pretty good with Shishek uh, as their closer, um, Fernandez, Avaldi. So they have a couple good starters at Kohler. So they have some guys in the rotation. And obviously, Andrew Haney, who's one of their top prospects, uh, pitched decent at times last year. So they have some good young talent, but my question is, how are they going to, you know, they brought in Garrett Jones last year. I understand that he did okay, not great. How are they going to incorporate more veterans into that lineup? Rafael Fercal was a boss. He was injured way too much last year. So McGee and Stan are some good middle of the lineup, but how are they going to benefit from other guys? Salt and Maki obviously 
declined as well as well last year. Um, so they need some uh, punch in that lineup, and obviously with that stadium that they're at, it's not the best hitting park either. But I think it's it's a good sign. But um, we know that the Marlins get desperate at times, like like they signed a bunch of players a couple years ago with Reyes and Mark Burley and stuff, and then they have them trading him. So I think they, their envision is a little bit different than that screw up that they did in 2012. But I also think they need to add some more. But they have some the good young talent uh, along the way. My question is, and it's a big question, I think it's a very realistic question for me to have swirling around in my head, is how in the world are they going to pay, not even just him, but the other guys they're going to bring in? We're talking here saying, oh, they got to bring in other pieces and all this stuff. It's a lot of money that he's putting on the books every year, and it's a lot of money he's got tied up in the Marlins organization for the next 13 years. How in the world are they going to be able to pay this guy? This guy? I don't even know how they're going to pay him this money. I don't know where this money's coming from. But how are they going to pay anybody else to show up, anyone reasonable talent-wise, is not going to pay, play for nothing despite the potential of that team. Someone's going to have to pay these guys, and I don't even know where this money's going to come from. They're not that marketable of a team, Chris. No, they're not, and that's a good point. Like I said, they have a lot of young players, so they're not committed to a big payroll like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Phillies have been in years past. So they have a little bit of that working for them. Obviously, you know, what are they? They played, what, around 60 to $80 million last year, I believe, somewhere in that ballpark. So they, and with Sam making, what, 27 to $30 million now, uh, starting in a few years, it's going to obviously eat up a lot. But like I said, the young talent will will uh, they won't be able to the, the young talent will be making low money. Obviously, you know, five hundred fifty thousand to a million, whatever. So they will be able to have some assets to spend. But like I said, they're going to rely heavily on their minor league system. I know Frank Conti, one of the Marlins uh, minor league writers, told me recently that they are going to rely on a lot of their pitching next year. They're going to they're going to have to get by with pitching, obviously, because they do have a, you know some good prospects coming up. But my biggest thing is after McGee and Stan, how are they going to, you know, get some more payroll? Are they going to want maybe a Mike Napoli would actually be a good fit for that team if they're willing. The Red Sox are willing to eat up some salary. Maybe the Red Sox can get a bullpen piece back for them. So I think they have to work the trade market this off season and over the next few years to kind of uh, lift them up. And they want to be in playoff mode. Like you said, they they had a very good September before Stan came that went down with injury in Milwaukee. So. There is some le- good talent there, but they need some veteran presence. And Napoli, like I said, would be a good one. Maybe an Alex Rios for a year, something like that. Some veterans just to help out with that team. But Stan definitely deserves his contract for sure. Another big concern for Marlins fans is the owner, Jeffrey Loria, of the Marlins. His net worth is only $500 million. And I'm, I, I say that with a very open mind here, fans. $500 million is a lot of money, yes, but not in baseball terms. Most owners are billionaires for the most sense. And a uh, good example down there in Miami, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, is a billionaire. It's, a lively, it's not a livelihood for him. Uh, Lorius, is, 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 this is a livelihood. He's, he's working on the Marlins to make him money. He's trying to live off of that money. He's not doing this for a passion. He's not doing it to win. He, he seems like he's in it to make his money, and he really he's living off of the money he's making with the Marlins. So that's definitely another concern a lot of Marlins fans have because they question his spending. They question what he's doing, and definitely a concern there. Obviously, this deal might kind of harsh hold on those rumors because, well, he's spending a lot of money on this guy. And But he, like I said, he's only really worth net worth of $500 million in the team. I don't know what the team's total net worth is right now. I, I can look it up after. But it's not that much, and he doesn't have that much money to put into this team as much as you'd think. So it's definitely a concern moving forward, and you're going to have to see them maybe potentially be a, a Tampa Bay Rays-type team where they kind of build young and go up like that and find a manager who potentially can work with the young guys. Um Obviously, Joe Madden had so much success with it, with the Rays, and now potentially going to try to break a hundred-something-year-old curse with the Cubs. And 
God bless them, because it's going to take some work to do that. But with Theo and Madden there, they could definitely do it. But Marlins definitely might not compete right away, but I think Stanton's the right step for them. I think they see themselves competitive before he's 31, 32 years old, so I think that's why they did this. Like you said, Hogan, they can potentially get rid of him and chop him. Potentially the Red Sox can go after him later in the years when they lose Ortiz's pop in the bat and they lose... Um, they they might need some extra pop there, and, and you obviously won't have Napoli in five or six years. So Stanton's obviously still a viable option for the Red Sox down the road. I really do think that he potentially could be pursued, and I really think there's a good chance of that. Um, Hogan, we got like five minutes left here. Before I sign off for the week here, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the Joe Madden thing because I've kind of been talking to everyone who's been on the show about it because I want to, I'm really concerned. I'm not concerned. That's not the wrong, right word at all. I'm just inter- intrigued by the idea of there was a lot of tampering going on. There had to have been tampering. Do you think this is going to go away and people are going to forget about the whole tampering stuff with Joe Madden, or are people going to really uh, neglect him for tampering, being tampered with, and just kind of bailing on the race in his last year? I don't think he did a bad thing. Like, I'll, I'll come up kind of strong in my opinion on this. I really don't think he, he bailed could be the word, but I really just think he was tired of the way the Rays fan base was. Like I said, they barely drew anything over this time period. Even 2008, when they played the Red Sox, it took them till that series just to draw a good fan base. I mean, I understand he's been frustrated. They've had some bad collapses over the last couple of years. They have been in the playoffs, obviously, and had some a little bit of success. But I just think, you know, he does. He wants a new, a fresh start. Obviously, with new ownership, Theo and Jed Hoyer, all of them. I think he's ready for some change. And obviously, with the Cubs, with the renovation to their stadium and everything, and the young talent, I think that outweighs why he wanted to go. Yes, I understand, you know, it might have been tampering, but Andrew Friedman left as well. Um, James Shields left a few years ago, so they really have lost a lot of talent. And they, you know, they weren't that good this year. Obviously, you know, I know they were about a 500 team, you know, but um, it was the right move for him. And I don't think this tampering should be, uh, a, it shouldn't be implemented, even though I think it probably will. I just think he was overall tired of just being there with all the uh, chaos going on, if that's the right word to use. Yeah, look, it, it's, it is what it is at this point, I think. Um, the Cubs are going to draw because they have a fan base. They have their dedicated Cubs fans. It's just like the Red Sox were before they won. They ha- we have our fans. They're always going to be there. It's a passionate city for sports. And Cubs fans are Cubs fans. They're always going to be there. Um, I think Joe Madden deserved this chance because he deserved, he's a great manager. He's top five in the league right now, if not higher. I think he deserves a chance to win a World Series, and I think the Cubs are a great fit for him because they have the young guys they need to work with. They might sign some veteran presence guys. But he he is going to have some youth to work with. He's the right guy for that. Um, that's why they're pushing hard for Lester. They pushed hard for Russell Martin before that he bailed on them and went to Toronto. Russell Martin would have been a great guy for their locker room. He's going to be great for the um, for the Blue Jays locker room as well. I think Joe Mann's a great fit. I think I think tampering issues aside, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think it's going to last. I don't think it's going to linger. I think Theo and Madden will eventually break this lovely curse there in Chicago. Uh, with I'm calling within the next five years. I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I think they got the right guys in place. Theo now has his guy as manager, and I think now they can work together and really pursue these young guys who they can. He's going to get a lot out of Castro. I'm, get, I'm telling you that now. Castro's a phenomenal player, and he's going to pull a lot out of him. He's going to bring in some pitching. Um, I don't think they're going to get Lester, but they can definitely work with Shields if they go get Shields. Um, there's other guys they can go after as well. Obviously, they can even be swinging to try to get Cueto away from the Reds. There's a lot of things that Theo can do. Theo did it here. I think he can do it there. I know I'm praising Theo a lot here, but I think he deserves it because he got his guy now, and he's slowly working his way up there. And he even said when he got hired a couple years ago, yeah, they, Cubs fans have to be patient. 
And I think you're starting to see what he meant by that because he's, things are starting to fall into place for the team up there in Chicago. And I think you're going to slowly see it. And I think I'm predicting that the Cubs will probably win another a World Series before the Chicago White Sox do because the White Sox are in shambles and they are not doing well up there either. So I think the Cubs are going to be are right around the corner from a play. They could even make the playoffs this year depending on what they do the rest of the offseason. Um, but that being said, I think, I think Joe Madden's tampering issues aside are not going to be a problem. But this postseason is definitely big for a lot of teams. Uh, Hogan, do you have any final thoughts for him before we sign off here for another week here on Red Sox Beat? I just, like I said, Jared, I appreciate you joining me, uh, having me uh, on here as your guest co-host. Definitely would like to be back again in the future. But uh, I really think the Red Sox fans need to be optimistic. Like I said, the talent there, that's is going to be good. Castillo, I think, will be good. Um, they just and they need to stop worrying so much about the young pitching and you know if if it's, if it's the right deal for Cole Hamels or a you know a I'm maybe a quick lead down the line if the Red Sox are in contention going over the summer and least healthy fine trade a Brian Johnson trade a Renato go after it this can, now is the time to win with your Ortiz getting older Pedroia getting up there in age um, if you bring Ross back you know he wants to win another championship I know that so. The window is kind of sh- closing, I guess, for the veteran players. So they need to be bold. And Ben Sherrington, this is going to define who he really is, I think, as, as a whole. And we'll have to see that over the next month or so. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's a definitely an enticing offseason. I think the next month's going to be crazy. It's MLB hot stoves already heating up. Hogan, I'm going to give you a good old shameless plug here before I sign off because you've been great for me so far in my career coming out of college. And, of course, you were great coming on today. So, Go on, give yourself a little shameless plug. Yeah, thank you, Jared. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Chris Hogan double underscore. Uh, that's all one word. I, like I said, like uh, Jared said at the beginning, I am the, the new uh, minor league editor for uh, Baseball Perspectives. I'll be doing a little bit of uh, minor league writing soon. The Red Sox, I'll be introducing some Red Sox uh, features on their minor league uh, staff. So also, if you want to check out my Tommy LaSalle trade yesterday with the Cubs and Braves, you can also go to Baseball Perspectives. And uh, we'll be done, doing a bunch of YouTubes as well getting some broadcasters, uh, some players on as well. So uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, I believe it's youtube.com slash baseball central and uh, baseballcentral.com as well. So uh, the guys like Gershon and uh, Nick and Jack McNeil, they're doing a great job as well. And uh, I appreciate having you on, Derek. Yeah, of course, Chris. And uh, fans, don't forget, like I said at the top of the show, Go on to uh, you can go into the Apple Store as well as your Android Google Play Store and get our new CLNS Radio app for you can listen to all the post game shows as well as this podcast. Just go into there and they'll all pop up right there for you once you download the app. You of course go onto iTunes and Stitcher as well and search for CLNS or search Red Sox Beat specifically and find all the podcasts up there. You'll find us obviously as well and you can listen to all the post game shows there. Obviously, give us all the. Uh, subscriptions and reviews and rate us as well it's great it gets us out there and we appreciate you listening and tuning in we've been a great podcast so far uh shows by the downloads we're getting from you guys and we appreciate you tuning in and listening in so until then until next week we got a good week of mlb stove coming up the panda is in town again don't forget panda is in by the time we uh talk, talk next week uh pablo sandoval could be a red Sox. who knows john lester is in town as well uh, reportedly, he could be a Red Sox as well by next time we're on. So, a lot going on in Major League Baseball in the next week. So, until next week, uh, tune in to Giancarlo Stanton's press conference on Wednesday. His big deal will be announced. And enjoy the what is MLB hot stove. Uh, my name is Jared Scali, of course, for my guest host, Chris Hogan. Uh, have a good week, everyone, and we'll talk to you next Monday.